0: Well, you know, social media is a part of real life, isn't it? But it doesn't often reflect real life, right? And most of us are involved in social media in some way. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. You say, well, social media, is that in the Bible? Well, being social is in the Bible. We all have a responsibility to the circles that we're involved in and people that we get to influence. And so this morning I want to talk about that. But here's the thing. Social media has kind of blown up in the last few years. 13 years ago in 2005, uh, the Pew Research Center just this year issued this study that said that only 5% of American adults used social media 13 years ago, just 5% of American adults. Then by six years later in 2011, that number had grown to 50% of adults. And today 69% of adults in America say they have at least one social media platform that they use. So that's, that's a lot of folks. I was looking at this research. It said that 75% of Facebook users and 60% of Instagram users report that they use these platforms daily. And as far as age group breakdown, listen to this, 80% of people, 18 to 49, that's a pretty broad range there, but 80% of those people use social media, 70% of people 50 to 64 use social media, and 30% of people 65 and above use social media. So let's do a little experiment this morning, okay? How many of you, by show of hands, have a social media account, at least one social media account? Okay, look around, people. There's hands up everywhere. That's probably pretty true of what, what the Pew Research Center found. All right, how about this one? How many of you use your social media at least once a day? Most of you raised your hands again. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you say that your social media involvement has enhanced your life in some way? I don't get y'all. This is what happened in the first service, okay? Man, I thought for sure that people would be like, yes, it's great, I get to keep up with people, I get to brag about all the stuff that's going on in my life, you know. Here's the reality, that's interesting because in the first service, same thing, a lot of people raise their hands, they have social media, they use social media, it's helped their life not so much, right? So here's the reality, social media is a part of our lives and some of us can remember what life was like before there was social media. And so you may say, well, there's a lot of pitfalls involved in social media. But if 69% of adults today are using social media, then social media is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to influence people. It's an opportunity to share the love of God with a lot of people. And so it's not something we should ignore or laugh off. It's an opportunity that the Lord can actually use in our lives. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want you to turn to Matthew 5, and I want to take three verses from the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught. And I want to read them, study them, look at them with you this morning. And then I want to apply them specifically to what it means to be a social person and use social media. So if you have your Bible this morning, Matthew 5, and we're going to start reading in verse number 14. So would you stand with me out of reverence for God and for his word? and you follow along silently as I read aloud. This is what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Thank you, you can be seated this morning. So social media, is an opportunity. It's uh, all of us have a social impact. All of us have a social responsibility, especially as followers of Jesus Christ. So I wanna share three simple things this morning with you that social me- media gives us the opportunity to do. And the first one of those is found in verse number 16, where it says, let your light shine. Social media is an opportunity to shine your light. Now it's interesting because Jesus says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. He doesn't say go be the light of the world. He doesn't say, try to be the light of the world, act like you're the light of the world. No. Jesus is talking about our identity. Those of us who've put our trust in Jesus Christ, who follow him, who have a personal relationship with him, he speaks to us, he's with us, his spirit lives inside of us, he influences us in the things that we do every day, the way that we live our lives, the choices that we make, the reactions that we have to things. And so Jesus says, because you have a relationship with me, you are the light of the world. That's who you are. So when you're around people who don't know me, your influence is automatic. You automatically illumine every social contact that you have. You are the light of the world. So he's not commanding us to be the light of the world. He's saying you already are. You're already the light of the world. And then he says this in verse 16, he says, in the same way, what's he talking about? Well, he says, a city on a hill, can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and then cover it up with a basket. And what I would call that is the absurdity of obscurity. You say, "Well, why would you come up with a little clever phrase like that? Because the reality is no one lights a lamp, and that's what he says, Jesus says no one lights a lamp and then covers it up. No one seeks to obscure a light once they light it. That's absurd. That's what he means when he says in the same way. In the same way, you're the light of the world, don't seek to obscure your light. Now, he's stating it positively when he says, let your light shine. He's not saying, don't cover your light up. He's not saying it negatively. He's saying it positively. He's saying, shine your light. Let your light shine. You're already the light of the world if you follow me. So don't do anything to hinder that, to conceal that, to cover that up, or to obscure that from the world seeing it. Why would a Christian do that? Well, sometimes people do that because they don't really want the treatment that might, they think that they might get if they actually shine their light before people. They, they think, well, I might get treated badly or I might get left out of things or insulted or people might not like me or they may come at me and want to argue with me or ask me questions to, about things in the Bible that I can't answer. And so what a lot of us do is we do the very thing that is absurd. We put a basket on our head and walk around all day. Essentially, we try to cover up the light that we are. And Jesus is saying, let your light shine. Now I love this, in the original language, and I always tell you guys what the original language says, because it's very descriptive. This is a great word. The word for shine is lampo. How obvious is that? (laughs) Lampo, okay, right. And it's a command in the original language. So what Jesus is saying is, I'm commanding you to shine. Shine your light, because if you will just be who I have made you to be around the people that you know and have contact with, then you'll have influence on them. And that's a command from the Lord. So he's not saying, try to hide your light. He's saying, show your light, shine your light in front of people. And when you do that, you're going to have an impact. And then he says, do that before men. Obviously, if you take people out of the equation, there's not much point in shining your light. He says to shine your light before men or before people. That means literally in the face of people, in front of them where they can see it. So that means for a lot of us, well, For example, if I just turn all the lights out in here this morning and we just blacked it out completely, all the lights went out and somebody lit a single light or their cell phone or whatever, all the eyes in the room would automatically be focused in on where that light was. That's just what we do. Light has an impact, light has an influence. And what Jesus is saying, let your light shine, shine brightly before people. Don't try to hinder that, don't try to block that. And that means that a certain amount of attention is going to be on you. Now, some of us enjoy attention, right, from other people, and some of us avoid attention from other people. We don't like attention from other people. And we really just don't like it when people turn their attention to us and we get all nervous and sweaty and we don't know what to say and we get kind of weirded out about that. Well, the truth is some of us, because we're uncomfortable with attention, are really basically obscuring our light because we don't want anybody to give us their attention. And that's, that's impossible, we have to be willing to embrace the attention that comes to us because of the gospel. Do you remember the first time in your life when as a believer in Jesus Christ, you sought to sort of go public with your faith, to have the social impact that God wanted you to have? And you realize, you know, I've got people in my life, maybe where I work, maybe if you were in school when this happened, people you went to school with, your family, and you thought, I want these people to know that I am not ashamed to declare my faith in Jesus Christ. And for me, I got saved in June of the year between my sophomore and junior year in high school. And my birthday was in August, two months later. And so for my 16th birthday, my mother gave me the very first Christian t-shirt that I ever owned. And it was a goofy looking green t-shirt that had a big slice of bread on the front of it. And it said, Jesus over the top of it. And the bottom it says, is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. And it was goofy looking, I mean, it was like, even in the seventies, it was goofy looking, you know? I remember looking at it and going, Jesus is the bread of life, but that is a terrible looking t-shirt. But I thought my mom gave it to me, you know? So I got that shirt in August. And then almost every day after that, I thought, when am I gonna wear that to high school? We didn't have to wear uniforms when I went to school. So you could wear whatever you wanted and people wore all kinds of stuff and you know, basically advertise the stuff they cared about. And I thought, this is my opportunity. I'm gonna wear my Christian t-shirt to high school And just let everybody know that I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And so I remember the day that I actually wore that t-shirt to high school. When I got out of my truck, I thought every eye on this campus is going to be focused on my t-shirt. You know, I mean, that's how self-absorbed I was, a 16 year old kid. And so I get out of the truck and I'm walking to class and I'm watching people's eyes. You know, I'm like, are their eyes staring at my t-shirt? Basically they were ignoring me like they did every day of my high school experience, you know? (laughs) So they didn't pay any attention to my t-shirt. Most people didn't. One guy asked me about it. I remember one class guy asked me about that, but for me, that was an important step because it was my way of saying, I'm not going to just hide the light anymore. I have the light in me. I'm going to shine the light. Now, wearing a T-shirt, putting a sign in your yard, putting a bumper sticker on your car, those are just baby steps, okay? Actually engaging someone, talking to someone about your faith in Christ is really what it means to kind of shine your light before people. But the reality is most of you probably have a story like that where, where you have sought to share who Christ is in your life with people that you're around. And so this morning, that's what it means to shine your light. Now, you may think, well, okay, what about motive? Because if you read just a couple of verses more and you go over to Matthew 6, verse 1, Jesus is in the same sermon. He says something that seems contradictory to what he just said. He says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Now, he just said, let your light shine before men. And here, just a few verses later, he's saying, be careful not to practice your righteousness before men to be seen by them. And I know a lot of Christians who go, well, I, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. I don't want to brag. I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to tell anybody I shared my faith or that I, the Lord led me to do something in somebody's life. I'm not bragging. I'm not seeking attention for myself. I don't want to, you know, gloat or any of that. So I'm not going to boast about that. And, and what people say is, well, I don't want to practice my righteousness before people. If you don't practice your righteousness before people, it has no effect. He didn't say don't practice your righteousness before people. He said, don't do it to be seen by people. That's the difference. It's about your motivation. If in your heart you seek attention because you're such a great person, such a great follower of Jesus Christ, and you want people to praise you, you want the attention to come to you and stop with you, then Jesus is saying, be careful that that's not what your life is like because that doesn't glorify me. But you're going to have people's attention on you when you're the light of the world. People are gonna pay attention to you. And I'm convinced that that probably more than anything else is the reason that people don't share their faith with other people and are unwilling to go public with their faith is they don't feel comfortable with people's attention turned toward them. You know, and here's the reality. If attention's for you, then it's not right. But if the attention attention flows to you and through you and ultimately results in God getting the glory, then it's right. So we sometimes make that mistake of thinking, well, I shouldn't seek any attention at all. No, if you're the light of the world, you're gonna have people's attention on you. And at some point in your maturity, you gotta be okay with that, with being able to say, Sometimes the attention is gonna be on me. Sometimes I'm gonna be one among five lost people. And when somebody says something, they turn to me for the answer. I'm gonna give them the answer and five eyeballs or five sets of eyeballs are gonna be turned on me and they're gonna be watching me and paying attention to me. And that makes some of us very uncomfortable. But that's part of maturing as a follower of Christ is I gotta be okay when people turn their attention to me because it's an opportunity for me to shine for the Lord. So to me, social media, not perfect, but an opportunity where so many people are involved and so many connections and networks can happen uh, related to the people you connect with on social media, people that live here among you, people that live across the United States, across the world. So it presents an opportunity for us to do that very thing, to shine the light of Jesus Christ into people's lives that we know. And so I want to encourage you this morning to think about that and think about the opportunity that is before us to shine our light. But social media is not only an opportunity to shine our light, social media is also an opportunity to show our life. And that's what he says here. He says, you shine your light so that they may see your good works and they're gonna see your good works. So what does that mean? The word see literally means experience so that they can experience the works, experience the things that are going on in your life. Again, we sort of feel uncomfortable with people experiencing our works, but that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, show people your life. When you show people your life, you're influencing them. And some of you are new to Moberly. I don't know if you know this, it's on your welcome guide. It's actually on the big banner right outside the door as you came in those doors this morning. The mission of Moberly Baptist Church is very simple. It's people leading people into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That's what we feel like our purpose and mission on the planet is, that we would be people who are leading other people. I love that. It's personal. People leading other people. When you lead other people, you have influence in their lives. I always ask that question at the start of our Discover Membership class, which, by the way, in two Sundays, I'm going to be teaching on this campus right back here in the choir rehearsal suite at 930 in the morning. And so I invite you, if you've been coming to Marley for a little while, you haven't joined, you're seeking membership or you're interested in membership, just because you come to the class doesn't mean you're going to join. We just seek to answer questions and kind of share relevant information with you. And I get the privilege of leading that class, and I would love a chance to to know you better and and lead you through that class. So in two Sundays, you don't have to sign up or anything. You just show up on that Sunday morning from 9.30 to noon. So if you want to go to worship that day, come at 8 o'clock, and then right after the worship service, come on back to the choir rehearsal suite, and we're going to be in there for two and a half hours and, and try to take you through that process. But that's one of the things I always talk about. If you can tell me, I always ask people, so you're getting a little cheat sheet this morning. I always ask people in the class, can anybody tell me what the mission of My Baptist Church is? And people kind of get around it and they try and they get the ever-changing, ever-growing part of it or whatever. But, but here's the reality. It's a very huge responsibility that we have to lead other people. It's a great privilege that we have to lead other people. I can't think of anything really more important and more rewarding than to actually lead someone to faith in Christ and then to lead them through discipleship, to see them grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. If you've had that experience, you know what I'm talking about. So for us at Marley leading people is the core of who we are. It's, it's what we do. And so what is it that he says that we're supposed to do here? Well, we're supposed to let them see our good works. And that word good means excellent because of the purity of the work. So it goes back to motive. You know, if, if your motive for doing things for the Lord is to be seen by men, then Jesus said in Matthew six, you have your reward in full. But if your motive, is to glorify the Lord, then the Lord knows what your motive is. He knows where you're coming from. I can think of three attitudes or three actions that that we ought to display on social media as Christians that would help us show our lives to people. And and the first of those is compassion. Compassion is something that that ought to be evident from our social media posts, shares, and likes. We are people of compassion. And I don't know about you, but when I make friends with somebody, Uh, maybe out in public somewhere and then and then shortly after that they either friend me or I friend them and I become their friend on social media then I I can read their profile and find out all kinds of stuff that's going on in their life and it gives me the opportunity to care for them it gives me the opportunity to pray for them to encourage them it's so many times this has happened where I'll meet someone and then later that night I get home and I got a Facebook you know request from somebody and I confirm that and I get online I look at their uh, profile and I go wow they have a special needs child or they've got this huge need in their life and And it gives me the opportunity to dialogue with them right there, but then when I see them in person to actually say, hey, I'm praying for you. Is there anything else I can help you with about that? And people usually welcome compassion. You do, right? Somebody who's compassionate, genuinely compassionate toward you, that ought to be one of the things that we portray through our social media interactions. Jesus said this in in Matthew nine, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Generally approaching people with the desire to help them is the right posture because people have incredible value to, to God. And so being compassionate is a way that we get to communicate to them their value to God. That's huge. It's very, very important for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And honestly, ask yourself this question. Does your social media presence reflect compassion? Your last three or five posts, shares, or likes, was there anything compassionate about them? Think about that this morning, because that's one of the things that we have the privilege of showing people through our social media interactions. The second attitude I would say is very important is the attitude of courage to speak the truth in love. Now you say, oh, wait a minute, I know what that means. If I speak the truth on Facebook or Twitter or whatever other social media platform you use, then people kind of come unglued. You know, it's gonna start a firestorm and and that might be true. And what I would encourage you to do, if if you find yourself stating something. And oftentimes when we're sharing the word of God, people do disagree with it and they feel boldness, more boldness to do that over social media than they might face to face. But I would encourage you, if someone is dialoguing with you on social media and they're they're becoming combative or things are kind of getting kind of ugly or mean or whatever, hey, say, can we move this conversation to instant messenger or private message or something? Let's have this conversation privately. Or if we can, let's meet and talk about it. That demonstrates compassion too, that I actually care about you. I'm not just interested in winning the argument this morning. But I do, wanna, I do wanna share the truth in love. And as Christians, we share the truth of God. We don't try to say, this is my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter, honestly. I'm sharing what convicts people, what has power to lead people's lives, and that's the word of God. And I love this definition of courage. It came from the Courageous movie that came out a couple of years ago. Courage is the awareness that something is more important than the thing that I'm afraid of. Think about that for a second. Courage is the awareness that something is more important than the thing that I'm afraid of. I might be afraid of getting in an argument. So I don't want to post anything that might be controversial, even if it's true, right? But if it's true, it's okay. That's more important than me staying protected necessarily. Courage is the awareness that something is more important than the thing that I'm afraid of. That has a lot of application in our lives. We've got to remember this. Paul said this in Ephesians six, our battle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces in the heavens. I think that we forget that sometimes. And when I read people's posts and sometimes I'll get on a thread and there's some argument about whatever the latest thing is in the news and it's political, controversial, whatever. And I start following this thread and it just goes on and on and on. And people get mean and they get rude with each other. And and some of these people are Christians. Some of these people call themselves followers of Jesus Christ and they're just kind of going at it and they're trying to win the argument. And we're not called to win the argument. The word of God doesn't need me to argue for it, really. I don't have to win that argument. I can disagree with somebody. They can disagree with me. That's okay. But just because I disagree with somebody doesn't give me the right as a follower of Jesus Christ to be combative. It doesn't give me the right to be mean, to tear them down. They have value to God just like I do, just like you do. And I'm never given the responsibility, the privilege, or... Uh, the okay by God to set that aside so that I can win the argument. So a lot of people, they have a lot of things on their social media that they might describe as courage, but some of it's mean spirited. And, And let me ask you, you know, maybe you're too timid. Maybe in your social media posts, you're like, I'm afraid to put a scripture up, or I'm afraid to state what I believe about a particular controversial issue that's going on in our world right now because of what might happen. How much of your Facebook posts reflect an attitude of courage? because those of us who follow Christ, we have to be courageous, take the word of God to people that are in our spheres of influence that God's given us. And the last area that I would say is important as we show people our lives over social media is consistency. Man, people see things in our lives on social media and you probably do and you go, that that doesn't really line up with Christianity. It's inconsistent. And you know what people do when they see that in us? They they call that something. When people see inconsistency with the way we claim and the way that we live or the way that we post and the way that we claim, they call that hypocrisy. (laughs) Have you heard that? The church is full of hypocrites, right? And maybe that's true. But the reality is some of us have, we are, we're inconsistent in the things that we post, share, and like with who we say we follow. And, you know, the reality is if you have stuff in your heart that's not right before the Lord and it comes out, you may say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but if in your heart there's things there that don't match up with who Jesus Christ is, they're going to come out in your life in different ways. And obviously they're going to come out as you share your life on social media. And consistency is is really important. Paul called us uh, ambassadors for Jesus Christ. He said, "Therefore we're ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ." Certain that God is appealing through us, we plead on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. So what a great privilege to get to represent Jesus Christ, to attempt to represent Jesus Christ to people in our social networks that we know. And many of those people maybe don't know the Lord. I'm glad that I've got people in my social networks who don't know the Lord. Sometimes I get frustrated with the stuff they post and, and sometimes I gotta go, okay, I'm just gonna skim over that today because some of it frustrates me and it kind of makes me mad sometimes, you know? But I gotta remember that person, doesn't matter what they post, they have incredible value to God and God's put me in their life, at least for this time, to be one person who's trying to represent Jesus Christ to them. And that's a great privilege. That's more important than whether it makes me frustrated or mad about what I disagree with about what they posted or whatever else. I see two attitudes consistently on social media that I think, are not, uh, don't line up with Christianity. One is griping and complaining. Do you you see that in people's social media? Well, I got in the slow lane today, or this person did this to me today, or this person said this to me today, or whatever. And there's just a lot of griping and complaining on social media. And the other thing that I see is is incredible arrogance, self-glorification, selfies everywhere. Now there's nothing wrong with taking a picture of yourself, you know, from time to time. But if that's your whole thing, if that's your social media presence as you, <laughs> you know, that's a problem. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Paul said this in Philippians, do everything without grumbling or arguing that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. And then listen to what he says, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Shine. There's that idea again. Be the light. You are the light. Shine like the light you are. By what? By not complaining, by not murmuring, by not constantly griping about something that's going on in your life. Because the reality is God could change any of that. If he's chosen to let you live through that and go through that, he may have a purpose in it for you beyond just griping about it. (laughs) It's not his will that you gripe and murmur and complain, Paul says. And when you don't do that, there's such a difference in your life that people notice it and you shine, is what Paul's saying. So for some of you this morning, Maybe what you need to do when you leave here is you need to go back home and you need to get alone with the Lord and you need to go back over your social media stuff and you need to delete some stuff that you've posted. Really, stuff that doesn't line up. It's not consistent with who Jesus Christ is. Just go in there and fix it, delete it. Maybe you need to deactivate your account altogether and start over. And when you do... Maybe what you ought to do is publicly repent to the people that you have relationships with on social media and say, look, I in the past have posted some things that don't line up with who I am and I want to ask you people to forgive me. Would you ever do that? Yeah, because you would gain more influence with the people that you have relationships with. They would respect that in you. That, would, that light would shine and cause people to go, wow, why would somebody do that? Because they would see that Christ is more important to you than you are important to you. And they would see the lordship of Christ lived out in your life. So let me just ask you this, does your social media presence demonstrate or reflect a consistent lifestyle? If not, change it because it's more important to reflect Christ than it is to reflect yourself. And social media gives you that opportunity to not only shine your light, but to show your life to people and by doing that to influence them in a way that honors the Lord. The third thing and the last thing this morning that I'd share with you is social media is also an opportunity to celebrate your Lord. It's, a, it's an opportunity to tell people about who God is in your life. It's amazing. The goal of, of shining our light, the goal of showing people our good works through our life, is that people would come to the place where they glorify the Lord in their life. Have you ever seen that happen in your life? Have you ever gotten to lead somebody to Christ and see them come to the place where now what they want to do is they want to glorify the Lord? They're not about themselves anymore, but now they're living their life to glorify the Lord. There's a great story in the Old Testament. Some of you are familiar with this because we tell it to children when they're little. Daniel chapter three, you can go look it up and read it later yourself. But the essence of the story is about these three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those aren't, their, those aren't their, Judy, their Judaism names. Those aren't their Hebrew names. Those are their names that were given to them when they were taken to Babylon, when they were captured by Nebuchadnezzar and taken from Jerusalem to a foreign land and given new names and been taught new language and new customs. And basically he, Nebuchadnezzar's goal was to get Judaism out of them, to get their belief and trust in God out of them. So. He sets up in chapter three, this golden idol. And he says, everybody, when they hear the music, is supposed to bow down and worship the golden idol. And these three guys are like, can't do that. It's not who I am. I follow the only true God. I worship to serve him alone. Whatever the consequences, that's who I am. So he gives them another chance. He brings them before himself. And he says, look, I'm going to play the music one more time. You guys have one more chance to get on your knees and worship this golden idol. And he, they won't do it. So He throws them, he ties them up. He throws them in this furnace. He heats the furnace to seven times hotter than normal. Puts them in there and he's looking around. He's going, they don't seem to be burning up. You know, they don't seem to be bothered by this. So he pulls them back out of the fire. They don't smell like smoke. They don't smell like fire. Their clothes aren't singed. Their hair's not singed. They have no negative effect from being in the fire, and he doesn't get it. And this is what he says in verse 28 of chapter 3. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Here is a secular king who doesn't even believe in God, doesn't worship God, coming to the place where he's giving glory to God. That's pretty powerful. That can happen in your life. When you live your life fully trusting, risking your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, some people are gonna come to Christ through your influence and they're gonna ultimately give glory to God. And and that's the goal of all of this is that we would see people give their lives to Jesus Christ and wanna glorify him. Well, what does it mean to glorify God? We use that word a lot in church, glory. Well, glory is credit, it's fame. It's saying that person right there deserves all the credit for this. That person did this. I want that person to be known. I want that person to be famous. Now, I said a second ago, one of the attitudes that I see that doesn't line up with Christianity among a lot of Christians on social media is self-glory. People who seek to elevate, glorify themselves. Do you see that on social media? Does it kind of turn your stomach a little bit? You go, what is the deal with our culture that we kind of think that's fine? Fine for me to totally say, look at me. Don't I look good? I've got a friend in the Metroplex. He doesn't go to this church. And it cracks me up. I went to college with this guy. Every picture, their family picture, everybody else in the family is just smiling like, hey, here we are having a good time, you know, not, not posing necessarily. And the wife is always like, she's like Zoolander up there. I mean, she's got her leg turned this way and she's like, she's sucking in her cheeks or something. And I'm like, what is that? You know, I mean, really, every picture, it's a joke. Now I scroll through her stuff. And I'm like, honey, look, look, she's doing it again. You know, it's like what is that about? I don't know her heart, but I know I see enough of that stuff that people are so into themselves that they are unashamed to glorify themselves in front of all their friends on their social networks. Like, look at me. Boy, I look good today, don't I? I've never looked better. Look at my hair today. Look at my makeup today. Man, got my Kendra Scott earrings on today. Whatever. I don't know. My (laughs) wife told me that, okay? So, what's the deal with that? Well, That self-glory doesn't fit with the glory of God. You can't glorify God and glorify yourself at the same time. And if there's a prevailing attitude that we we saw the video, uh, a pretense. People want people to think they have this wonderful, amazing life that's worthy of everyone's envy. That's not glorifying God. That's glorifying me. That's seeking glory for me. That means when the attention's turned on me, it stops with me. It doesn't move on to God. I saw a great thing this past year, and you guys probably saw it too, um, in the Super Bowl. You know, the, the moment the camera was turned on Doug Peterson, the coach of the Eagles, and they won the Super Bowl this year, in case you weren't aware of that. I'm not an Eagles fan, but I'm a Doug Peterson fan. I mean, the moment that cameras turned on him, the moment they stuck that microphone in his face, he said, I just want to give all praise and glory to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I mean, millions of people are watching him. He could have said, we've got a great team. We've got a great team. Our team plays tough. We've worked together, whatever. He could have said all that coach speak stuff. No, the first words out of his mouth, were, I want everybody to know when the attention's turned on me, I want everybody to know where the attention belongs. And that's on Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. I don't want the glory for me. The glory's not for me. The glory is for God. And so, so many times, man, we have an opportunity on social media to celebrate who God is in our lives. And and that's an opportunity that we have every day on social media. It's not about me. I didn't make my life great. My life's not blessed because of me. My life's blessed because I have a Father. I have a Lord. And He is the reason for every good thing in my life. And that is an opportunity on social media to tell people about that every single day. So there's a lot of things on social media that are negative that we see that we kind of avoid. But opportunities to glorify God, those are there every day for us. Paul said this, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything, everything for the glory of God, everything for his credit, everything for his fame, for his renown, that he would become more famous, more known by the people that you have social relationships with on social media, and you would decrease and he would increase is what Jesus said, right? So the reality is some of us have some response this morning to this sermon, that some changes to make in our life. What I would say to some of you, if you're not on social media, reconsider that. I know there's things about privacy and all those kind of issues. And you may say, I don't want any part of it. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to glorify the Lord. And some of you who are already on social media, you need to let the Lord do a work in your heart where you come to the place where you go, okay, I've been doing this wrong. (laughs) It really has been about me. And it doesn't need to be about me. It needs to be about the one who saved me, the one who knows me better than anyone else. What I love is in this passage, Jesus talks about your father. It's a personal relationship. And and just because you live in America, just because maybe your parents were Christians or uh, you've attended church for a period of time, it, it doesn't mean you're a child of God. Not every human being is a child of God. You hear that in the media all the time. Well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all God's creation. But we're not all God's children because we become God's child when we become adopted by him. Jesus said this, whoever believes in me, to all who believe in me, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, the right, the authority, To become children of God. He'll adopt you, and he wants to adopt you. He wants to make you his child. He wants to forgive you for every sin in your life, literally start your life over, and put you on a track that causes you and changes your heart and makes you want to cause people to glorify God through the way you live your life. He wants a personal relationship with you, but you don't get that because you sit in a church or because you live in America or because your parents were Christian, there's only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father unless he comes through me. That's the only way to have salvation is to repent of your sin, to turn away from it, turn your back on it and to put your trust in Jesus Christ. If you come to Jesus and you say, well, Jesus, I wanna keep my sin and I wanna get salvation. Jesus says, you're not ready to be saved. He told the rich young ruler, he said, look, you gotta go sell everything you have because the most important thing in your life, the thing that consumes you is your stuff and that's sin. You worship your stuff. You can't have me as your God and your stuff as your God. So go get rid of your stuff, repent of your stuff, and then come find me and become saved. And the guy walked away sad. And Jesus didn't chase after him and say, okay, okay, okay. I'm just kidding. Let me, let me give you plan B. No. No, he said, this is the truth. There's only one way. It's not that hard. <laughs> Some of you have come to the place where you go, I don't want my sin anymore. It's not worth it. My life stinks when I'm falling, falling into sin. I don't want that stuff in my life. Some of you aren't there yet. But if you're ready this morning to turn away from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ, then I have a great promise for you. And that is whoever will call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. So I'm gonna ask everybody just to bow your heads this morning. And our musicians are gonna come back and lead us in a song here in just a minute. But before they do that, I wanna give you a chance to do what I just talked about. And that is turn away from your sin and ask Christ to come into your life and save you. Now, many of you in this room have already done that. So I'm gonna ask you just to pray. And just pray for the people that are sitting around you who you may not know, who may not know the Lord. To me, the greatest tragedy this morning is that you'd walk out of here and not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. The greatest win would be that you'd walk out of here and say, I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior, because when Jesus saves you, He saves you forever. Perfectly. He's a perfect Savior. He'll never let go of you. He'll never forsake you. It's not about you. It's about Him. He's a perfect Savior. So this morning... If you say to me, I I think I'm ready to do that. Nobody's looking around but me, okay? Please bow your heads. This is a moment of privacy between people and the Lord. And So if that's you and you say, I want Christ in my life this morning, I want to ask Christ to come in and be my Savior, would you just hold your hand up, just slip your hand up? Anybody? Thank you. Put your hands down. Anybody else? I want Christ in my life this morning. I want to do what you said. I want to turn away from my sin. I'm sick of it. I know it doesn't help me. I know it doesn't benefit my life. And I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ. Those of you who have your hands up a second ago, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about it. There's no magical words. It's just an expression of your faith. You believe that Jesus is the Savior. The most logical thing you could do is call on him to save you. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer to do that. So you can just pray this prayer after me this morning. Dear Father in heaven, just say that to him. I want you to be my father. (laughs) I want Jesus to be my Savior. I don't want my sin. I turn away from it. I abandon it. I wanna be saved this morning. Thank you for sending your son to be the savior of the world. Now Jesus, would you save me? Would you forgive me? I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming into my life now and changing me forever in Jesus' name.